<laughs> I'm like deeply offended right now. I'm walking out and no. Uh, can we give it up for that team and the production they've been putting on for us? Sorry, I got to get over getting booed walking out onto, uh, out onto the stage. I was not expecting that. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was in junior high, I went to a, a camp, and my brother was at this camp as well. And my brother and I, the one that's closest in my age, we would, we would sometimes push the boundaries a little bit on, on what somebody might call like appropriate, friendly, like kind. Uh, bottom line, we had this phase where we were just kind of mean, and I mostly blame my brother because he's the older one, and he was a bad influence on me. So we're at this camp, and at the time, there's this substance called X-lax. And X-lax is a laxative that helps people that are having digestive issues. You know, you get stopped up. It kind of gets things moving, right? And, uh, and they had a chocolate form of X-lax, and me and my junior high brother got hold somehow of this magical substance. So we decided there was this girl at the camp. I know. I know. Hang on, before you judge me, before you judge me, the story gets worse. So there's this girl at the camp. And she was, she was a little bit obnoxious, just like a little bit obnoxious. So my brother and I, we devised this plan. Can we get her to eat the X-lax without knowing she's eating X-lax? And so what we did is we took a candy bar and we stuffed these little chocolate tabs into the candy bar and we concocted this plan. And, and I was the main actor in this scheme. And what I did is I took a bite of the part that didn't have the X-lax and I was like, oh man, I'm just so full, I can't possibly finish this candy bar. Which, what junior high boy has ever said that ever in the history of junior high boys? And yet, she bought it. And she's like, oh, I'll finish it. And we're like, okay, here you go. And she ate it. And, and guys, this next moment, I can't make this up. I'm not, like, I wish I was exaggerating. Literally, she's eating the candy bar, and we're like, <laughs> uh, kind of giggling to ourselves, like, I can't believe this is working. And as she's finishing up this candy bar, she goes, hey, I just want to let you guys know, I have to leave camp early. Uh, my, my grandma, I'm, I'm traveling with my grandma, and, uh, and we're about to go on this road trip, and so I have to leave a day early, but I just wanted to let you guys know, you guys are like my best friends. I so wish I was making this up. Have you ever had a moment where like, you felt so guilty, you felt the blood like leave your, leave your face? You know that feeling? I immediately felt that and I, and I was like, what, what are we gonna do? Like, she ate the candy bar. Like it, the prank was over. I mean, it was going to continue to work itself out, but it was like the, the prank had already happened. And, and so we were just sitting there totally guilty. And she gave us a hug and she got in the car and drove off with grandma on our road trip. Have you ever just known 
you are totally guilty. And that feeling of guilt, and then that feeling of guilt turns into shame. Here's the reality. And I, like, honestly, as a, as a communicator, there's part of me that's like, no, I shouldn't tell them this story. But I feel like you guys can understand, like, yeah, all of us are messed up people, and all of us, when we stand before God, all of us are guilty of doing some pretty messed up stuff. And that was one of those moments that I was just so aware of how terrible of a person I was. And I felt awful. And here's the beautiful thing about the story of Jonah and, and really the, the big story of the Bible is that God is a God of second chances. Amen. And third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. God is a God of grace, God is a God of compassion, that when you and I are guilty before a holy God, he didn't just leave us there, he said, let me provide a way for you. When you and I were lost in our sin, when we were dead in our transgressions, the Bible says, when we were dead, separated from God because of our sin, when you and I couldn't work our way to God, God in love, in grace, and in mercy worked his way to us and through the person of Jesus. We call this the gospel. Gospel means good news. It's good news of what God has done for all people, even messed up junior hires like me, and even sinners like you, like all of us. God loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you. Let's turn to Jonah chapter three. If you guys have your Bibles with you, hopefully you've like folded a page or even now that you've opened up Jonah a few times, when you open it up, it should get there a little more naturally. Jonah chapter three begins this way. As you're finding it, I'm just gonna start reading, so kind of half listen, half find it in your Bible there. Jonah 3, verse one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Because you remember in chapter one, a word of the Lord came to Jonah, and what did Jonah do? He ran. He ran from God, he ran from his purpose in life, he ran from God's blessing, he ran from wisdom and truth, he ran from God's love, he ran. All of us run, yet God loves runners, and he listens even to the prayers of runners as he listened to Jonah, but now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He's a God of second chances. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This time, instead of Jonah running, it says Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. I love reading this because it reminds me God uses messed up people. In fact, God's gotten really good at using messed up people, and here's why. It's all he has to work with. And yet he's invited us to be a part of what he's doing in the world, and so he continues to work with messed up people like you, like me. It's the beauty of God's grace. That God's power is made perfect in our weakness. That God working in our lives and through our lives, it's not a testament of our goodness, it's actually a testament of his goodness and his power to work in spite of us. And now God is gonna work through Jonah, this reluctant prophet who ran from him, it says, now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, listen to this message. So God gives Jonah a word to speak to the people. Here's what he says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Eight words. He's just kind of like, I could, you know, wax eloquent to these people, he's like, I'm just gonna give them the bottom line. Y'all gonna die. So he just goes around the city and he's basically just going, you're gonna die, and you're gonna die, and you're gonna die, and you're gonna die. Heads up. 
And that's the message. He goes around and he just tells everybody, 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Verse 5, to the shock of everybody except for God, the Ninevites believed God. So he preaches this message, you're all going to be destroyed, and they were like, yep, we believe you. Makes sense. Historians will tell us that there was a solar eclipse at this time, which in this ancient time period when there was like, you know, all of a sudden the sun's there and then it's not, people start freaking out. What does this mean? At the same time, there were marauders 100 miles to the north of Nineveh. There was a plague in the area, and this guy shows up from out of town, partially digested by a great fish with seaweed on his head, and he's like, yeah, you're all going to die. God's going to destroy this place. And they're like, we believe you. Yep. Adds up. Story adds up. And so it says that they believed God. A fast was proclaimed meaning they're, they're not going to eat. And all of them, from greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So they believed God, and then they, they turned from their sin. So they, they acknowledge, okay, God, we trust you. And in fact, we've been running from you. We acknowledge that we've been running from you. We are going to do repent, and God, we're going to follow you now. God, we've been running. We're trusting you, and we're not just trusting you like, yeah, okay, we, we believe that could happen, but we're not going to change anything. Like, no, we're going to trust you. We're going to put our faith into action. God, we are going to follow you. We're going to trust you, not just with our thinking, but with our behavior. We're going to apply what we believe, and they turn from their sin. When Jonah's warning, verse 6, reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. So the whole city is mourning, including the king. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds, or flocks taste anything. So we're all fasting. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. That was a way of them mourning. That was a way of them acknowledging in humility that they had sinned before God. Let everyone call urgently on God. So fasting and prayer. Let us pray out to God. Let us cry out to God. Let us call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent. And with compassion. The very beginning of this weekend, I kind of gave an overview of where we're going in the book of Jonah, and it's really a story of God's compassion for all people. Who knows? God may yet relent, and with compassion, Turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. When we repent, God relents. God doesn't allow all of these hardships and all of that into Jonah's life to pay him back, but to bring him back. And when Jonah repents, God relents. When the Ninevites repent, God relents. He relented and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. You and I deserve destruction for our sin. That's the bottom line reality of scripture. And we admitted all of us, all of us have sinned, all of us are guilty, and what we earn for that guilt is death, separation from God. You and I deserve destruction, and there is nothing you and I can do on our own to fix that. I need a, I need, I need a, a helper here. Let's see. Uh, 
You, you, yeah, come on up here. You, what's your name? Starla. Starla, okay. Starla. Everybody say hi, Starla. All right, Starla, come, come stand right here for a second. So Starla, you're gonna represent all of us. Uh, we, we don't have to like, don't, don't give me like any details or anything. Uh, did you raise your hand when we were like, hey, have you ever like lied to your parents? Yeah. You did? Okay, good, because I was gonna call you out if you said you didn't. Okay, all right. So Starla, stay right there. Here's, here's what the Bible teaches us. Uh, can you put this jacket on? Sure. All right. So the Bible teaches that because of our sin, our, our sin is like scarlet, like it's like we are wrapped, we are clothed. When God sees us, he can't just ignore our sin. And it's like, man, all of those things that we've done wrong, the x story, like I wear that, like that is part of my guilt. I was wrong in that. All of us are guilty. The Bible teaches that our sin is like scarlet and our God is a holy God. He can't just ignore it. God sees all things. God sees the good, yeah, but he also sees all the things that we've done wrong. He sees the things that we should have done and we didn't do. He knows every thought that's ever been in our head. He knows every word that we've ever said. And all of us one day will stand before this holy God and we will give account and all of us, we will be found guilty for what we have done. But I wanna read you this passage. Starla, you stay right there. Romans 4, 25 says, he, talking about Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins. That when Jesus went to the cross, he paid a debt that you and I couldn't pay. See, all of us are guilty. All of us, when we stand before God, we are clothed in that sin like scarlet, but Jesus lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. Jesus never gave a girl X-lax at camp. Does this make sense? Jesus lived a perfect life, he never sinned, he was holy, he was righteous, yet he chose to go to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. Can I have that jacket back? Of course, yeah. Oh, of course, she says, Because if you didn't, then this illustration wouldn't work. Okay, so you give me this back. Now here's, here's the deal, Jesus on the cross, he took our sin upon himself, but Starla's not getting into heaven just by Jesus taking her sin on the cross. Sorry, Starla, don't worry, there's more to the story. See, Jesus pays the penalty of Starla's sin, but how do we stand before a holy God when his standard is perfection? Because Starla, even if her sin is paid for, does that make her perfect? No, she hasn't done all the righteous things that she's supposed to do, but here's the good news of the gospel. Romans 4.25 says, he was delivered over, for our death for our, over to death for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification, that through faith in Jesus, Jesus takes his perfection, his righteousness, and he clothes us in that. Go ahead and put that one on. It kind of matches, actually. You're already almost dressed for the occasion. Okay, so the picture that Starla is painting right now is she gives Jesus her sin. Jesus takes this sin upon himself, pays the penalty for you on your behalf on the cross. And he was buried and placed in a tomb, and on the third day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God raised him from the dead. Jesus conquered death, which means he holds the keys to life, and he offers life to whoever would put their faith in him. And when we put our faith in Jesus, he takes all of our filthy sin, and he clothes us in his righteousness. 
so that one day, even though you and I are guilty of sin, one day we can stand before a holy God and he will see you and he will see the righteousness of Jesus because that's what you're clothed in. That's the good news. That's the gift that God offers us. Now here's the deal, it's a gift. God's not gonna force you to give this one up. He's not gonna force you to say, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna trust you to pay the penalty for my sin and I'm gonna trust you to give me your righteousness. Uh, it, you know, I, he's not gonna force you to do that. He invites us to say, Jesus, I declare that you are Lord. I'm gonna trust you in this area. He's not just gonna force it to happen. We get to choose whether or not we're gonna receive that gift. We choose whether or not we're gonna hand this one over and be clothed in his righteousness. Starla, great job. Guys, would you give Starla a hand? Starla, you can grab a seat. Yeah, I can take, yeah, I'll take the righteousness of Jesus back for future illustrations. Once again, can you guys give it up to, for Starla? Now, what did Starla have to do to receive a gift? If it's a gift, did she have to work for it? Did she have to earn it? No, because if she had to earn it, it wouldn't be a gift anymore, right? How many of you, you got gifts at Christmas? Okay, most of us. If not, see, see your counselor and they'll get you something from Hume Lake for Christmas. Okay, when you get a gift for Christmas, do you have to do anything to earn that gift? No, some of you are like, yeah, I did. Okay, well, for, forget that example then. Uh, for the rest of us, yeah, you don't. If it's a gift, you don't have to earn it. If it's a gift, gifts by their very nature are simply given. Our job is to choose whether or not we will receive it. And if you're polite, you say thank you, right? Mom and dad always tell you, hey, say thank you, which is a good practice. Bible teaches that God's grace is a gift. Romans 10 says, the scripture says, and this is really kind of our theme verse for this weekend as we're looking at the story of Jonah. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, meaning that God's grace is for everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whether you're like Jonah, whether you're like the Ninevites, whether you're like the sailors, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord We'll be saved when we repent, God relents. See, the Bible teaches the gospel, good news. It's something totally different than religion. Religion is all about when we're separated from God, every religion in the history of mankind is this. You ready? It's advice. It's advice on what you and I have to do to try and work our way to God. Every religion fails because none of us can live up to God's standard. None of us can live up to our own standards if we were being totally honest, but religion is simply just trying to work our way to God. Listen, all of us are dead in our sins, and what can a dead person do? Nothing. Nothing. Religion is all about what you and I can do. The gospel, it's good news. News is not something you have to achieve. It's not something you have to work for. News is something you choose whether or not you will believe and receive. The good news, the gospel, is that when you and I couldn't work our way to God, God in love and mercy and grace worked his way to us in the person of Jesus. He lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. He gave that life for you and for me on the cross to pay the debt of our sin and to clothe us in his righteousness through the resurrection, meaning he's conquered death for you and for me. He's proven it by his resurrection and he offers life to anyone who would receive that gift. 
When I had Trace up here the other, other time, we talked about the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. What we earn for our sin is separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life. Life brings us back together. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For some of you here, you've never said yes to receiving that gift. You've never said yes to receiving that gift of new life, being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, exchanging the consequence, the penalty of your sin for his righteousness. And so I wanna invite you to do that tonight. I invite you, if you've not said yes to putting your trust, your hope, your faith in Jesus, if you've not repented of trying to live life your own way and now trusting in Jesus as Lord, I invite you to do so tonight and I wanna help you do that. I wanna pray with you and then I'm gonna ask you to do something bold. But if you're here tonight and you're ready to take that step of saying, yeah, I'm ready to receive this gift, Robert. I'm acknowledging that, yeah, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, and I'm trusting Jesus to pay the penalty of my sin. That he is the way to relationship with God, what I was created for, I'm ready to receive that gift. I wanna help you pray that, that conversation with God. There's nothing magical about these words, but I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray along with you, and here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If that's you in your own heart and mind, would you just talk to God? I'm gonna gonna say these words and, and think about what I'm saying, and just between you and God, Because the reality is one day you're not gonna stand before your youth pastor, you're not gonna stand before your parents, you're not gonna stand before me, you're not gonna stand before the Hume Lake staff and give an account for your life. One day you're gonna stand before God. And you're either gonna be judged on on your behavior and what you've done, or you're gonna be judged on your savior and what he's done for you. And so just right now, between you and God in your heart and mind, you don't have to say these words out loud, but would you just talk to God, just you and him, and would you say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've run from you in different areas of my life. And God, I choose to repent. God, I choose to turn to you. Jesus, I trust you that you, on the cross, paid the debt of my sin. And that Jesus, you conquered not just sin, but you also conquered death. Jesus, I trust you as my rescuer, as my savior. And I choose to follow you as my Lord. God, thanks for rescuing me. God, thanks for your grace, the gift of new life. I receive it through faith in Jesus. Amen. If that was you, and for the first time you're receiving this gift, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. In Romans 10, right before the passage we just read, Romans 10, 9, says if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That if we would be bold enough to confess, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, I'm following you. You are the leader of my life. Jesus, I'm trusting in you. If we confess with our mouths, Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you said that prayer just now talking to God, I'm gonna ask you to declare that Jesus is Lord. 
And I'm gonna ask you to be a little bit bold. I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna count to three here in just a moment. If you said yes to following Jesus and receiving that gift, I'm gonna ask you to stand up and say out loud with your words, Jesus is Lord. And here's what the rest of us are gonna do. We're gonna celebrate with you. So if that's you, it's gonna take some courage, it's gonna take some boldness. Would you stand up right where you're at and declare Jesus is Lord? One, two, three. Keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. And here's what I'm gonna ask as you guys keep standing, stay standing where you're at. Because this is a personal decision, but it's not meant to be a private decision. This is personal with us and God, but it's meant to be declared publicly. And listen, when we say yes to following Jesus, the Bible teaches that you are adopted into the family of God which means anybody sitting around you right now who's also said yes to Jesus, they are part of your family. These are your brothers, these are your sisters. Bible also teaches that if one person repents, one person says yes to following Jesus, that there's a party in heaven, there's a celebration, there's great rejoicing. And listen, here's what we're gonna do tonight. We're gonna join the party. And so I'm gonna ask if you're sitting around somebody who just now stood up, uh, I'm gonna ask you in a not weird, creepy way or anything like that, would you just reach out, put a hand on a shoulder, would you reach out to those who are standing around you? And if you can't get to that person, touch the shoulder of somebody who's near them. And here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask everybody in your own hearts, in your own minds, I'm gonna pray out loud. Would you guys pray with me for those who said yes to Jesus and then let's worship Jesus together. Sound good? All right, guys, let's pray. Father, for each person standing, declaring that you are Lord, God, we thank you for the gift that you've promised. God, that you are faithful to keep your word. You've always kept your word, which gives us confidence that you always will keep your word. That God, you promised that through faith in Jesus, we're moved from death to life, from lost to found. We're adopted into your family. God, thank you for the family represented right now in this moment, praying putting hands on shoulders. God, thank you that none of us are alone. God, you are with us and you've given us the church to be with one another, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to celebrate with one another, to mourn with one another. God, to go through the journey of life together. God, thank you that you've given us this community. And Jesus, I pray what you prayed for us, God, that we would be one. And God, that through our love one for another, the world would know that it's you God, it's you who's at work in our lives. God, it's you who sent the son to pay the penalty of sin. God, all of that's evident by our love. Would you help us to live out that love, to experience the unity, God, that you've had for all eternity. Relationship with you and relationship with one another. God, guide us in what it means to be the church. Strengthen us. And God, we praise you and we celebrate with you those who have entered into the family. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.